1: And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Genesis 1.26 In the beginning, we were created in the image of God. I ponder this a lot. What does it mean? How can I tap into this part of the divine that's within me? Is it my soul? Is it my heart? Is it my mind? Or is it all of me? In Romans 8.29, when Paul tells us, We are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, we have seen Jesus through the Gospels, and by so doing have been given a better look at God. The image of God is seen in the perfect expression of his Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1.3, Paul tells us that Jesus is the fullest expression of the Father that exists. He is the imago dei at its peak. The Father has predetermined that we are to be the image of God on the earth as his people. We are to be his image in thought, word, action, reaction, purpose, and nature the target of the imago dei is extremely narrow not to be like jesus is to not hit the target for us as christians everything we do as christians is towards this end in order to achieve this we need to look to the holy scriptures we need to pray and fast we need to fellowship with other believers living as imago dei is more than words it's a reality we can strive for It'll take the mundane out of our lives when we're able to wake up in the morning and say, I am made in the image of God. I am supernatural and uncommon. The image of God's Son is within me. Alleluia. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons, too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious values, a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, It's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who are not their mother. And I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. Over the years, I've been broadcasting and spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you with Or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster, but for me it starts and ends with God. The beauty of year-round cows and calves in the pasture, birdsong breaking the silence, the scent of orange blossom on the air, a starry night out in the middle of nowhere, the happy clinking of lines on a sailboat, a serious hug, and an earth-moving crash of thunder to wake me up. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of Tetley's tea today and a an nice fancy to thank you for staying. I'm broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida. And after the first break, I'm going to be bringing you a chat I had with returning guest, Peter Kowalki, who was here a few months ago, and we began a conversation that just had to be finished. Peter says that unschooling is the driving force behind how he thinks and lives today. And we're going to be talking about relationship coaching. So, so, stay tuned I'm all set so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies where we're closing in on the end of our house sitting assignment and thinking about the meaning of life both in a spiritual way and within our family are you ready? My Blue-Eyed Cowboy and I read the Bible and a devotional every morning. Yes, we read aloud to each other, and it's lovely because then we can share thoughts that arise from the readings that day or the following week or based on other things we've read, ideas we've had. They lead to some interesting conversations both at home and with friends whom I visit from time to time. Consequently, I'm never at a loss for something to discuss. For the past month, I've been thinking about how I look at my life on earth this life on earth. I question my faith, something as homeschool as we naturally do. Questions help us deepen our beliefs, religions, religious and secular. Questions can help us find our purpose. Questions will lead us to the desire to make a contribution to the world we live in. How do I walk on this earth? How does my transitory life and everyone else's, because none of us lives forever, make sense? And how do I deal with the sorrow, tragedy, and joy that keep me company? How does tragedy, sickness, disappointment, ambition, success, love joy fear loss of a job and financial security find a place first in my walk with God on earth and second with my father in heaven for eternity Eternity is the hardest part to get my mind around. My children loved the line in math with the arrow at one end that denoted an infinite number. There will always be a value larger or smaller than the largest or smallest number you can come up with. Let's look at eternity. What if the room I'm sitting in right now represents eternity and my life is less than a dust moat in the forever expanse? Does does what happened to me during my dust moat span of life amount to much in the scheme of things eternal? Nope, but it amounts to me a lot and to God. Somehow I have to get through this blink of a moment on earth in order to spend the rest of my life, my eternal life, in heaven. How do I do that? I have to focus on heaven. I have to put everything that happens to me, good and bad, into this perspective of eternity. Undoubtedly, while I'm living this speck of a life, the boulders, the ruts, the valleys, and mountain tops are massive, heartbreaking and exhilarating and while I'm living the speck of a life I'm unique in God's eyes. God sent his son to save me and prove his love for his creation and he is with me. My life's important to me And to God, and he understands something I don't. That there is much, 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 much more after my dust mote of a life. Why do we worry? Why do we grieve? Why are we jealous, murderous, charitable? Why are we so sensitively human? My trials and tribulations bring me strength, experience, compassion, wisdom, grace, understanding, love, joy, peace, and all the fruits. When I'm looking to eternity, heavenward, when I'm living in the moment savouring my food, my tears, my joys, then my attitude towards my life changes. When I remember that God created the world for me to enjoy, a blip of a gift to make earth tolerable, then I try to look beyond my grief and enjoy or tolerate or cope or wish away today and all it brings. Life will be over soon, and we'll be on our way to our forever world, the one we're focused on. Once there, we'll be unique in that we have had the earth experience. None of the other heavenly bodies have except Christ. And that, my friends, brings us squarely back to the Imago Dei, doesn't it? Me and Jesus have both walked this earth. We have a shared experience. Let Christ in and help you. With your life. And this is how I look at my life, where I've had my own share of worries and ups and downs, happiness and love. My experiences serve me. Do yours serve you? How do you look at life? Are you on your way to your father's house or are you too involved with your own house on earth? Where are your sights? Set on heaven or here? How does your life fit into eternity? Only God knows, and He is so awesome I can't even begin to understand.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to TogiNet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on TogiNet.com creative mojo it's fun entertaining informative inspirational and illuminating lipinski has worked on such shows as oprah the view the joan river show and ricky lake he's busy but he's got the drive to share with creative mojo dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes quilting and needlework Knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lepinsky. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Togenek. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney.
1: I'm thrilled to be bringing a conversation I had with Peter Kowalke a few weeks ago about how unschooling encouraged him to question his life from a very early age. Peter is a self-described lifelong unschooler whose highly praised documentary, Grown Without Schooling, followed 10 unschooled graduates into the world and recorded how they fared in their individual life choices. Peter lives in New York City and has consulted as a homeschool expert for media outlets such as the BBC, the New York Times, the Times of India and Fox News. We're going to be talking about purpose, contributions to our world and human relationships. So all right peter unschooling you you say that unschooling shaped you completely and utterly that without unschooling, your life would not be the way it is today for you, and um that's that's interesting, it's fascinating, because one one hopes as a parent that we are going to shape our children's lives in a particular way, and especially as homeschoolers, we hope they're going to look back and say, yeah, it was because of that, you know, it's because of the way I was educated that I am who I am today. So talk about that a little bit, about your unschooling background and how it led you to um, your life.
2: Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times when we talk about homeschooling or unschooling, we usually... Uh, Talk about it in the very narrow sense of it can improve the way that, you know, children are educated and, you know, how they it's a better way to learn. But there really is uh, there are deeper implications to to homeschooling and to unschooling. And one of those is that instead of just being told what to do. You are given a wider latitude usually to make sense of the world yourself a little bit, whether that's from, uh, you know, following the interests that you're interested in. Uh, you know the, the questions actually are, are burning deep inside of you, or or just from the fact that there's less of a you know a tabula rasa thing where you know this concept of you know kids are just a blank slate and you just pour it into them. Uh-huh. Uh, as a as a homeschooler, uh, from at least in my life, uh, there was a, a much wider latitude to um, really work with my direct experience in life. Instead of just being told, oh, this, you know, this is a tree and this is a social relationship and this is how the world works. Instead, I am just being told this is, is, is that mm-hmm. I was as an unschooler. I was more able to to really work with the world. And that had profound implications in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically, you know, it. Growing up I I was told things. You know, I was told how the world world works, how we interact with each other on a social basis, how, you know, uh, you know, you know why the sun rises and sunsets, but I was also given the latitude to um really tap into that direct experience which kind of goes back to what zen buddhism tries to teach one of the things that zen buddhism tries to teach is instead of you know uh uh, defining your reality based on the on on a a structure you've built a man-made structure just like actually observe it observe the world Mm -hmm. you know it it actually taste the food you're eating instead of Saying, oh well, you know, I'm eating eggs, therefore it's going to taste, you know, kind of proteiny and kind of yummy. Instead, actually taste those eggs, and and so I wasn't. That was kind of how it was for me with with my homeschooling in general. So, you know, I was very in touch with myself growing up because it was uh, it was very much my experience was very much directly. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't denied in any way. I wasn't told what to feel. I was able to actually focus on what I was feeling, Mm -hmm. and uh, that led me um, as I got older to to question certain things, which also tied into my homeschooling, Mm -hmm. because, you know, one of the as a homeschooler, I'd sit at home, and uh, you know I would see these commercials that said you know don't be a fool stay in school and I'd go wait a minute I'm not in school and I I'm doing okay and my parents you know also seem to think I'm doing okay and you know it got me questioning you know if I, if something as fundamental as a school system can be questioned what else can be questioned so as an unschooler I not only was maybe learning more efficiently, um, and that's been, you know, widely covered, but I also was uh, sort of, I, I was allowed to, I was encouraged to question how things were done, and I was encouraged to bring it back to, you know, what was I was actually seeing in the world, mm. what I was actually feeling in the world. And so, you know, that has led me to, uh, so to some different places. It's led me, um, as we've talked about in previous uh, interviews, it led me to Vedanta, which is a spiritual, an Eastern spiritual path. And, uh, you know, that was born a lot out of this direct, this feeling of connectedness with other people. You know, I was being taught or, you know, the world around me was sort of trying to, to tell me, hey, you know, you're, you're Peter. And, you know, that's that's Joan and this is a table and everything's separate. And, you know, you're you're this little ego. But on a, because I was allowed to really tap into what I was actually feeling and experiencing, I was. You know, I noticed on a, on a, on a subtle level that I was I was feeling more connected to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, people were saying you're different than those around you. You know, everyone's their own little autonomous unit. And I wasn't feeling that. Mm-hmm. And because I was on schooler, I was able to say, Well, I was able to follow that. I was able to listen to it. You know, I wasn't it wasn't being out of me this this direct experience. I was this is what I felt. And then I went and tried to make sense of it. And that led me to Vedanta mm-hmm. and which basically focuses on, on that we're more connected than we think we are. And uh, um you know, that, that sort of thing has really um really influenced about everything I do yeah. and really want to go on
1: no I was going to say that there's a lot of emphasis today on um, people who are sheep you know we, we just follow what everybody's doing we don't really question that we just go along with it it's just maybe it's easier just to go with the flow and leaders, these, these people that are questioning, these people that aren't going with the flow that are saying we can do things differently and look at me, you know, I'm, I'm still being able to support myself. And there are books out there about why, starting with why, you know, which is a question, a good question that um, you've, pr- you've probably asked many times, you know, I can see this happening and that happening, but why, why do I feel this way? You know, you asked yourself that question. Why do I feel connected?
2: Yeah exactly you know you to ask the questions and to you know not just in myself but in other grown homeschoolers that i've i've talked with and I, i've done a lot with grown homeschoolers over the years you know you 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 see a lot of them that are you know pretty differentiated and you know in this business environment you know there's we're increasingly as the internet becomes a you know a, a big factor in business and we get global and so there's a lot more competition on on some level there's a there's real big uh uh value to standing out and to being authentic Mm -hmm. and to to doing things a little bit differently that's that's a real business advantage and so many people are trying to do it but a lot of people don't even know how to do it because they're uh they do they've 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 grown up going along with the flow going along not i don't know if i want to say sheep but there has been a you know there is an emphasis of you know, there, there's one right way and here is that right way. And as an unschooler, I, I was much more able to, uh, try different ways to, to really unfold as an individual. I was really to unfold authentically. And so for me, when I go into a business situation, you know, I, it's, it's very easy for me to stand out. <laughs> it's very easy for me to be, to be my own thing. And that, that definitely, uh, has a lot of advantages. Uh, one of the things about, I want to get back to this, this seeing things as they are, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about, um, in my own life is, uh, I, I really feel like I have a real sense of purpose. I I definitely know what I'm here to do. And, uh, really, you know, my life, if I'm Somewhat charitable myself. I've really had one real contribution to the world to this point. And that was, has been in the homeschooling community with uh, the documentary I made uh, about a decade, more than a decade ago called uh, Grown Without Schooling. And really that, it was a documentary about 10 uh, grown homeschoolers, you know, 10 homeschoolers who are now adults and the lasting influence that homeschooling had on their lives. And the reason that I, consider this my main contribution to the world at this point was there was a there's been a there was a lot of talk about you know about homeschooling and about you know all the, the benefits and all that but there was also a lot of glossing over some of the challenges and some of what it really what the experience was about and you know i was i I said you know this is all this stuff that we're talking about is true but there's also there's a, there's another story going on there there's a it has deeper implications. And uh, so, I really consider my first contribution to the world to to really to add to that discussion a little bit, both with the documentary I made and with the uh, the grown homeschooler columns I've been doing for many years, and publications such as Home Education Magazine and Life Learning Magazine and elsewhere. And I'm excited now because that same sort of looking at the world as it is and, and questioning and saying. You know what what's really going on here, not what we're we we tell ourselves is going on um I feel that my second contribution, which is just starting to unfold um is in the area of human relationships um, we're we're we we're told what human relationships are supposed to be, but then there's there's often a dissonance in in for most of us between this ideal of what a relationship should be and can be and what we're feeling inside and 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 what we're actually um how we're actually living you know we're not living up to these to this these ideals that we have enough and and but yet we're feeling on some level that there's there there is there's something more there and you relationships have always been a very very big thing for me um partially because what i was experiencing as an unschooler was i wasn 't seeing enough people talking about or acting on, but yet I was feeling it I was seeing it i was I was feeling connected to people on a level that i wasn 't seeing other people engage on or acknowledge uh-huh. and and uh, part of that came from as an unschooler when i was when i was uh, uh, you know young I had a really good uh, really great models I had a really strong family life. And really deep relationships and I didn't know that when I that I was not supposed to have deep relationships with other people outside of the family you know and so when I as a homeschooler when I went out into that world I had you know I was I was feeling this connection with people I had some models for it and then I was just coming across something that was really underwhelming and it got me saying well why is this why am I seeing this potential for these deep relationships why am i experiencing it? and yet all around me i'm seeing all these people that are not and so i've been focusing on relationships for most of my life uh, trying to answer those questions you know what is what is love what is the potential for relationships and and i've been even while i was less directly in their relationship uh business i guess you could say i've been working on it my whole life this has been one of the side projects that i've been working on all throughout my life just really having these phenomenal relationships and to an extent experimenting with relationships just as an unschooler i i would uh i would do with my own education you know i'd go out there and i'd try things and i'd see how it how it worked. And so I did a lot of that with, with relationships. And I think the next big contribution, uh, which should be far bigger than my contribution to homeschooling is, uh, what I think I can, I can help people who are interested in, uh, having deeper relationships.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on Toginet.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
1: Now, are you talking um, about um, the, the level of relationships that people are having in the world today because of the ease of communicating with people Um without actually ever going out and meeting anybody or forming (laughs) that kind of a deep relationship that you're talking about, or maybe people are frightened of getting hurt so they don't want to form that deep relationship because I know there are a lot of superficial relationships going on now over the Mm. last 10 years. You know, among our children, they very easily classify people as friends. And I think, "Mm, really, you know, is that what you're talking about? a little
2: bit, or are they've you they've set the bar they've set the bar low on they've friendship. set the bar really low on <laughs>
1: friendships they've set the bar really well, low you know, on communication because texting i don't call that communication really <laughs> you know it's convenient to say meet me here at such and such a time but we're taught they don't know how what to really it? talk to each other you know and and do what you're saying this relationship thing
2: you know that's a very interesting point you bring up because that is uh, a part of of what I'm talking about the uh, that we've set the bar low. Yeah. Uh, when, frankly, the the work that I'm moving towards with this relationship coaching business that I'm I'm in the middle of starting is it, it actually applies to any age and not just this one where we're becoming socially fragmented and um, you know we're, we're losing those deep interactions that we might have had a few generations ago where you know we'd uh, you know where they're now being replaced with the you know the non-face-to-face uh communications i, I do think that in our technologically uh, centered world um with You know unified communications and video conferencing and all this these various ways to connect that don't actually give us near people on a deep level there's probably more of a need for it today Mm -hmm. there definitely is probably an emerging crisis in deep uh, uh, relationships with people but the frankly uh, a lot of the 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 stuff that I I, uh, will be focusing on is really applicable to, to any time and place because it, it starts off with with sort of really setting the bar low and that's why I'm glad that you mentioned this people calling each other friends when they're not really friends one of the things we do in our relationships and I'm I'm really going to talk about not just uh, uh, friends not just relationships it really applies to all people you know person to person interactions but especially on one of the deeper relationships we you know that most people have their their spousal relationship their romantic relationship Mm -hmm. you know we do do a lot of lip service about the idea of partnership in a relationship you know we have most marriage ceremonies the world over have some version of two people becoming one Mm -hmm. but you know we'll say those in our vows but then we uh don't live up to it you know we it's all we we do lip service and then we quickly re- we set the bar low in what actually we can achieve in this and we don't most of us don't even conceptualize that we can actually be two people becoming as one you know we subtly set the bar lower by thinking of it you know as a relationship of being two autonomous people two individual units that you know share resources and maybe communicate a little for common goals mm-hmm. but um, one of the things that I've eh, been focusing on and, and really experiencing and trying to um, make sense of is that there there is uh, a deeper level of, of oneness that we can have in our relationships. And if you're a religious person, this, this is a pretty easy jump because, uh, you know, Christianity, um, you know, does a fair amount about, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself and, and, uh, you know, talks about it, you know, the Buddhism or Vedanta, um, and a lot of the Eastern faiths talk about, you know, the fundamental oneness of everything. Um, so it's out there in a, in a religious sense, but even in a non-religious sense, even if you're an atheist, um, there are a lot, of, there's a lot more ways to, uh, to integrate and to come together and to, uh, can, to work as one um, than then we're really uh, even trying for.
1: So are you talking a little and, bit uh, about surrender? I know I jumped all over you there. Are we talking, <laughs> uh, are we talking a little bit about surrender? Because I'm thinking that in some people, in some relationships, people really don't want to give up who they are, even just a little, point. so that they can become more one with their yeah. significant Well, that's one of the things... <laughs>
2: that's one of the things that in the West we struggle with in some regards more than than the East does we're very big as you as you know on you know individual autonomy and you know the everyone's an individual and so whenever you talk about two people becoming one there for many people there is this sense of oh gosh if I come together with somebody on a really deep level I will lose myself Mm -hmm. and Part of that is is looking at it in the the wrong way it's it it's a kind of a, looking at it as a glass half empty mm-hmm. um you could say coming together with one that oh i'm not i'm less peter for instance mm-hmm. but there's really another way to look at it and that's your peter plus this mm-hmm. other person that you're, your partner it's it's not a negation it's not a reducing of the self it's an expansion of the self it 's becoming something much larger you know it 's in some regards like you know uh, like uh, just looking at when i was uh, when I was younger you know i 've always said that i 'm the same person I was when I was twelve or you yeah. know twenty i'm i 'm in my mid thirties now um, it 's not that i 'm not that i 'm just that plus more, yeah, and really that 's what um, people do get scared about being you know integrating with other people because they do worry about losing themselves but that it's kind of uh doesn't prove to be the problem that most people think it is no uh, now there are um you know i don't want to be too generic about talking about better relationships that you know there are it's true that each relationship um is individual to itself and what makes a relationship better, um, for an individual couple will vary from couple to couple, but there are some general things that, um, will make a stronger relationship. Um, and the first thing as I've kind of hinted at is that is to set the bar a little higher and to, instead of, um, instead of expecting it to be too different, you know, two separate people, two individually autonomous people, it does start with really taking that other person and saying they are a part of me. You know, they really truly thinking as a unit. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of you know, we've as a society we're not necessarily moving in that direction. You know, you let's take uh, bank accounts for instance. You know, it's getting awfully hard to have a shared bank account. You know, yeah. it's there was a t- time when you could have a shared bank account, and everything was shared. Now you know when i when I try to log into my partner 's bank account you know i I have to deal with their social security number and you know we 've atomized mm-hmm. we 've atomized that transaction and we 've atomized our accounts and you know Facebook wants you to have an account not to be a family account there 's no such thing as a a family facebook account no. and, or or a spousal facebook account mm-hmm. um, and and that 's a very subtle thing but it 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 is along this it's this thinking of not thinking um you know as as two people actually being as one and and that's a pernicious little subtle difference in thinking uh that has big uh, effects um and then once you get uh once you start go- going down that pathway of uh of saying you know we we you know really identifying with your partner as yourself um, there are, there are, there are, there are, of course, ways to to start to live it. Not just, you know, not just positively thinking about. Oh, I'm one with my partner. There definitely are practical things to get closer with your partner, and one of them is to focus on what your partner actually is, mm-hmm. and and that's how you can actually connect with your partner. Too often we think of ourselves and we think of other people in terms of the the impermanent parts of ourselves that are changing and not really the essential us now what i mean by that is that um you know we think of ourselves or we think of our partners as as you know our bodies that's an easy one you know but the truth of the matter is is that none of us are the same people today that we were yesterday you know i i have more wrinkles i have i i could be more dramatically i could have an arm lost in a in a car accident or something like that um the bodies are constantly changing and um i'm no expert on the 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 uh the on on, you know the the molecular level but there are definitely our, our doctors uh and you know and people that also interface with these, such as Deepak Chopra who have talked about how within the span of like a year or two, you know, every, every single part mo- molecule in your body is different. <laughs> you know, you're not, it's not a, it's not the solid thing we think it is. And then on the, emo- on the, the mental level, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of the ideas we have, um, you know, do change over time too. So we, if we identify with our partner as, or ourselves as, you know, I'm a Republican or a Democrat or I'm a, uh, you know, I'm, I uh, uh, you know, have these tendencies um, or I'm a, you know, a Christian or a Vedantin or, you know, whatever we, we sort of our identities that we form, you know, these are not really us either they do they don't always change but a lot of them do change over time they just change slowly enough that we're not realizing that it's a it's a dynamic system that these these are not really us um, everything out there everything you know everything in the world that is born and and dies is temporary on some regards it was created and at some point it'll be destroyed and and those are that's not the essential us and so, if we focus on that temporary stuff we don't we kind of miss the real person, and that temporary stuff looks different than us. We don't relate to it quite the same way because you know we look at our partner's hand and we see a hand that's not the same as our hand, so we say, "Oh well, they're different, you know that that's something different than us. I am this hand, they are that hand and so that 's one of the problems we run into is we we focus on this changing stuff which is not only not them but it makes us feel different than them. What we really need to do um, is focus on the essential them the part that isn 't changing the part that you see in a person when they 're two or and when they 're ten and when they 're twenty and when they 're you know they 're forty you know that part that you the part that makes that person them you know the part of Peter that you saw as a two year old, you know, and that is also there as a, as a 35 year old, you know, what is that, that makes that person Peter and what you find, if you don't work from frameworks, you don't work from what people tell you it should be, and you actually look at it and experience it, you find that basically it comes back to, uh, uh, to us all. It comes back to this essential quality, this the part of you that experiences the world, uh, not the thoughts you have. You know, there's a part of you. It's it's hard because we don't often actually stop to look at it. But every thought we have, you know, who watches our thoughts? You know, the, there there's a part of you that's even deeper than the thinking that you have. You know, you could have a dialogue in your head, but there's something watching that dialogue mm-hmm. if you actually stop to pause and if you just keep following that back you find that all the things we we think are us are not us there's something further back that more essential than that that is that that spark that you see in a little baby as the spark that is you uh, at every age and that's the part that you hold on to in your partner
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Pete 6 of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station?
0: Why don't you look up the
1: schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with
2: Pete Dix.
0: Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the sociable homeschooler on Toginek. and now back to your host Vivian Mcnenny. The part
2: that you connect with is that essential part, and that essential part is at once the only part of them that's really them. It's also the part, It also happens to be in you too. When you strip away all this changing stuff, you, you connect with your partner on a level that is really extraordinary. It's the part that is the foundation of this, this love that, that causes us to write all these love songs and to do crazy things that aren't in our best interest. But the part that makes many of us say, well, you know, we're, you know everyone's a self-interested person you know that 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 uh you know that everyone's really out to get for themselves but then what do you do with the people who sacrifice you know really truly give up something that for them for somebody else and the easy one of the easiest examples is as a parent you know and, and when you give up for your children you know where does that real where does that love come from and if you follow it back you know it really comes from connecting on that deepest level and that's One of the things I did when I was a a younger on schooler, and I wasn't, I didn't ignore this actual experience. I said, well, no, this is here. I'm feeling this. I'm seeing this. What is this? And that's part of, that's a big key to actually getting much closer with your partner. You know, once you focus on that and ignore or. Give less credence to this changing stuff. Once you focus on the essential them, you really connect and identify, and there—that is the true basis for self-sacrifice, for giving up food that you want for some for your for your partner who also wants it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a, ethics is good. You know, uh, you, as an ethical person, you're supposed to you know share and all that. It's and it's not something so. Um, calculated as, you know, well, if we all, you know, work together, we'll all be better as a society. Um, you know, that, that, at least in my mind, doesn't really make you a good person. You know, it might logically make sense, but it's, it, I'm not so sure how compelling it is. But what is compelling is when you truly feel like the other person is you. Yeah. That's when you can, when you truly uh, identify, when you truly give uh, to somebody, and it makes sense, and you do it automatically, and you do it right, and you never regret it.
1: I very often say that children today, and I know you're saying this, this cuts across, you know, goes across all generations, but children, particularly today, and even children 30 years ago, probably uh, don't aren't given enough time to think. They aren't given no, they enough aren't. time just to be, and so they 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 don't do that. They don't dig down inside themselves to find out the essential them and mm-hmm. they they're too busy how, how are you going to – how can you reach those people? I agree with what you're saying. And, you know, without – I don't know, without all of this electronic stuff, maybe more people would sit and um, be and think and consider.
2: There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with the tools. You know, the tools are the tools of social media and smartphones. There's nothing inherently wrong with the tools. But the way we're using them is not maybe always the best practice. How do we connect with people who – aren't connected with themselves well well you can't force it on it first first of all you can't force this on people but on some level at some time you know every person is going to real you know when they feel that vacuum they might not even know why they feel the vacuum but when they feel that vacuum that purposelessness, that lack of connection, you know, then they start to go looking at some point, you know, now maybe it comes in the form of a crisis, you know, maybe, it, it, you know, there's many ways that people come to it. But um, the, you know, you're, you're right, you know, a lot of people are not um, taking time to really get in touch with themselves. That's part of why meditation is becoming somewhat popular in the United States, mm-hmm. because, basically what you what we're talking about right now is the the value proposition of you know buddhism and vedanta and meditation it you know when you cut out all the form and and the ritual and the 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 you know the the technique it essentially is stopping all the clutter that's distracting you from the real and getting in touch with with what is real and if if indeed all the stuff out there is all changing all the time and you know it makes it seem like we're all separate and all that stuff um you know the east sort of believes well just sit reflect and that silence um, you don't need anything out there to yeah. be enlightened. It's, it's all inside. It's always been there. Mm. And all you've got to do is pay attention to it. You
1: know, people are walking around and they're empty and they think, oh, well, I need to go shopping because I need new, more shoes. That'll make me feel better. Or I need to change houses, sell this house and buy another house. That's why I'm feeling like that. And for us, for Christians, it comes down to that imago dei. We know we have a part of God within us. And we're searching yeah. for that.
2: We talk about, you know, Christians uh basically uh surrendering you know knowing they have a part of god with them and you know there's many ways to approach it but it, it does boil down to that idea mm-hmm. there's there's and and you don't even have to be a christian for this uh, uh getting in touch with the essential that's basically what you're saying you know mm-hmm. if, if god is with with, with is inside of you as a christian you know really the 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 challenge is to realize that mm-hmm. you know god's there it's not like you're, you're banishing god he's there but yeah you gotta you gotta realize that and once you realize that you're and that's you know buddhists would say then you're enlightened yeah. you know vedantins would say then you've found moksha mm-hmm. and if you're not a religious person and you know, there's many people in the U S who are not, or or, or haven't seen the deeper meanings of meaning of religion. Um, You know, you could still be an atheist and make this journey too. some of the things that couples can do to um, get closer together and really realize a deeper relationship. uh, One of them starts with understanding the difference between accepting and agreeing with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, if the idea, you know, when we think about ourselves, and really that's the way to think about, to make a relationship better, is to think it's to try to make two people act like one person. Mm-hmm. That's coming together. With ourselves, we may think horrible things, we may make mistakes, and we may know it's a mistake, but we we go, oh, well, you know, it happened. Mm-hmm. That was my life. That mm-hmm. was, you know, I accept it. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. It was a mistake, mm-hmm. but I accept it. Okay. But yet, we don't always do that with our partners. Um, we we wrongly think that well, if I accept this bad behavior, I'm I'm condoning it, and that doesn't have to be the case. You know what you need to do to become a closer couple. One of the things is to, you know, allow them to be completely honest with you. Allow it to be you know a feel a field of shared meaning, and that means you know, whatever is thought is thought, whatever is done. Well, it's done. I accept you for who you are today. I accept you for who you will be tomorrow. I accept you if you make mistakes, because I accept myself when I do those things. Mm -hmm. Now, that, you don't have to agree with it. You could still say, oh, yeah, you know, that that infidelity was pretty darn bad for our relationship. That mm-hmm. was or, you know, lying to your boss. That was not so good or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, but just as you work, you try to improve, you accept yourself when you make mistakes and work. Uh, uh, through it, um, this is really what you have to do with your partner, and that act of doing that will bring you closer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, instead of being two people, it starts to get you towards one. Mm-hmm. One, uh, I just I know we don't have much time, but one other um, very applicable, practical thing you can do to get to one is just change the nature of how decisions are made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we when you. When you're working together as one, it would, again, you think about yourself. How do you make decisions? Well, you think of a bunch of ideas and you try to f- figure out which ones make the most sense. It's not about, you know, oh, part of you suggested an idea and then the other part of you suggested another idea and you, you have to hold on to that or you'd be, you know, conceding something. You know, mm-hmm. you no, you just say, well, what's the best idea? Yeah. Well, that's really the way that uh, a, a good couple can approach decision-making it's not about my side your side it's a here's here is the situation as i see it here's why this might be a good course and then the other person also throws that sort of sensory data on the table you know here's my logic and here's why i think this should be this way and then you work it out together and if you're not coming from a balkanized perspective of you know I want to win the argument. I want to be right. And you just come from a what is the right thing to do perspective, then, you know, you will, depending on how hard it is, it will dictate how long it takes, but you will come to the same ultimate uh, decision. And for little things, you might not need to do that. But for big decisions, you mm-hmm. do need to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that just comes from not having sides, basically. Yeah. Put it all on the table. and work at it from that place and also when you do it that way you are more liable to really act as if it's one person because you're no longer at that point trying to meet the needs of peter or your partner you're now meeting you're now saying well here's the all the needs it's not some are peters some are the partners it's here just it's just needs here's the needs here's the situation i it's not about like who's the troublemaker or you know it 's just here 's the situation here 's the needs. what do we do about it and that 's what you do in when you 're making decisions <laughs> as one, and that 's what you do if you 're two people who are acting as one it 's the same concept so the, the i 'm really excited about the relationship coaching i 'm doing because um, I think this is it 's not something new i 'm i 'm not creating anything new but because of my unschooling experience i've been able to be pretty authentic i've been able to see relationships as they actually are and an actual experience and i've been daring enough i'm daring enough to say well yeah let's act on what's actually going on yeah. you know even if that's not how we normally do it let's let's do this and you know, I, I've already had success for, for, you know, decades on this front. And so mm-hmm. I'm very excited to. Uh, so do you have a website people. about this? We do. And I'm, we're still in the beta stage. Okay. Uh, so it's more at this given second, it's more of a, put your name on a mailing list. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna going to be rolling out a blog soon. Uh, and, and we, we are taking, I am taking clients right now, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it's very much in a beta stage. So mm-hmm. of course we'll give you a discount and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are still figuring out the one hundred percent the right form, but you can find more information at kawakicoaching.com. Okay. my last name is A O W A L K E. So kawakicoaching.com.
1: I was talking to Peter Kowalki, an unschooling advocate best known for his work on grown homeschoolers and the lasting influence of unschooling. Peter lives in New York City and speaks at home education conferences. You can find him at the Unschooler Experiment and learn more about Vedanta at AmericanVedanta.com and his relationship coaching at KowalkiCoaching.com, both of which I have linked on my site and the front tokenet page. I opened the show with Amajo Dei, and Peter and I talked about the essential part of us, which can be found through meditations, in silence, and in prayer. And as Christians, we can also find it through scripture and fellowship. The essential part, the spark, I love that. The best part to hold on to, and Peter encourages us to find it in ourselves and in our partner. The part that you connect with. And here, I think, is a glimpse of a spark that lives in me. One day, I was left at home alone in the flat in London while my Texan went off to do something. What to do, I wondered. To be honest, on these rare alone days, I pamper myself. I break open the concealed chocolate or indulge in a coffee made with hot milk. I eat pizza and ice cream for lunch or pop to the chip shop for some fried food. This day, I wanted to do something I'd never done before. As I focused on my yoga mat for a luxurious 90 minutes, my restless mind was stilled and I came to complete peace within myself. I made my way across the hall to the bedroom. On the way, an idea hit me. "'I could throw in the towel and forego my shower. "'Oops!' "'The promised break-in routine caused me to draw in a long, satisfying breath. "'I felt daring. "'No one but I would know what I had done. "'Or not done.' As I passed the airing cupboard, I retrieved a flannel and positioned myself in front of the sink mirror of the tiny ensuite bathroom. I was smiling radiantly. I turned my back on the dreadful little tub with a half-glass wall and detachable contraption that passes as a shower. I washed my face, dampened my hair and brushed my teeth. As I slathered cream on my legs, I caught sight of the silly little lever I had to pull up with bone dry hands each morning to get the water flowing from the shower head. Forget it if my hands were even the slightest bit wet. The lever had to be dry to get any kind of grip on it. Not today. No claustrophobic moments for me as I hit walls and porcelain during my usual morning ablutions. No massive towel, whose absorption rate was debatable, to do battle with in the small cramped space. Not this morning. No puddly floor where the seal around part of the glass enclosure didn't work. No steam to blur my vision, just a quick once over my face with my trusty flannel and I was done. Dressed in shorts and a skimpy tea, I ate a tiny pizza and a bag of crisps for lunch outside, enjoying the fragrance of my blooming rosebush bush. I uncovered the hidden stash of chocolate in the hall closet and the freezer and between heavenly bites wrote up a storm. I spoke to my friend in America about what I do with my empty days, the spark in me, the part that takes pleasure in simple things, prayer, yoga, chocolate, writing, talking to a friend and going without a shower. No rushing, no stress, no rat race here at Turtle Creek in Florida, the days are much the same, only there's no fast train to London, just a car ride to La Belle, where there isn't very much of anything except a grocery store and a honey shop, which we're partial to. The people around here joke that they get up with nothing to do, and by the time they go to bed that night, they're still not finished. (laughs) We see no malingerers, neighbours don't drop in from boredom. Every now and again, I'll meet someone on my way back from walking the dogs at the crack of dawn, or in the evening, the odd Golf cart will hum past the house. I see more alligators than people, which at the moment suits me just fine. This time last year, Dorts left aboard her ship in Invergordon. Which is in Scotland. It was to be her first professional dancing job, one where she was going to be paid for doing what she loves. We had some discussions leading up to her departure. She assured me she's excited, although I was worried I was sending her into the unknown, somewhere I've not prepared her for, except for giving her a firm foundation in her homeschool from which to launch her life. We shopped for days, it seemed, but spread over two weekends, with a couple of sushi breaks in the park at Ambank when the going got tough and we had so much fun together. We managed to square everything away that she needed, clothes-wise especially, to the best of our knowledge anyway. We got a long dress, a cocktail dress, smart casual for mixing with the passengers, up on the top decks. Luckily, she'll wear a uniform for most of the day, so everyday work wear wasn't an issue. We went to the Jolly Woodman one last time, in the rain how else we played uno one last time and walked down the road to eat at pierre luigi's our favorite italian restaurant one last time we took a photo outside the flats of the three of us one last time and we snapped the willow tree in the garden at sunset and Dort's packed a rolling duffel bag, a backpack and her handbag. And on the day we held a taxi and it arrived late and put us all into a flap, especially when we presented ourselves at the check-in desk at Heathrow, where the attendant delightedly announced, the flight has closed, you're a minute late. Gosh, he was happy. Being questioning homeschoolers, we retaliated by walking over to customer service to get her onto the next flight or ask why one minute late couldn't be waived. The representative picked up his phone and we were sent back to the delighted attendant because the plane had only just landed and still had all of its tanks seeing and unloading. The disgruntled attendant had Dort's label ready and no sooner had he tied them on than he was saying into the phone, close the flight to Inverness so we just had hurried hugs I'm just about finished I'm off to collect some apple snail shells. My cowboy's convinced he can come up with something creative to do with them because they're lovely and big and everyone's different and they're just like porcelain. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host Vivian McNenny and I'll be back same time same place next Friday. Without further ado I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard working staff at TogiNet Radio, my producer Sabrina, my guest this week Peter Kowalki, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop,
2: doop.
0: Thank you for joining us for the sociable homeschooler with Vivian McNenney on Toginat. The sociable homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.